0: The Virtual CISO Moment is brought to you by vCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vCISOServices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. JJ Powell joins us, he has been in information security for quite some time and has a very varied experience, including what he's doing right now as VC, so for Cyber Defense Group. Uh, JJ, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks
1: for having me. It's We go way back. It's good to be here. Well, you know, I'm not going to hold that against you, So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we do, yes, including, I'm sure we'll talk about some of those things, including, I know we served on the board of the ISSA here. We'll talk about that in a little bit, yeah. but uh, we'd like to hear a um, little bit about your uh, background, how you got started in in cybersecurity and uh, what led you to where you're at now and all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah. So I thought about that question. I think it goes back to when I was 15 and my parents got a Packard Bell computer and a CompuServe dial-up. And I was a curious, bored kid. And so I'd get on the internet and just kind of explore and you poke around at websites and see what happens. And so sometimes you see a credit card table dump and it's not through malicious Activity, it's like, huh, look at that. That's weird that that happened. And then you're like, huh, why'd that happen? And so, being a curious kid, I think that kind of got me in my start in cybersecurity. Just, and I didn't even know that that was considered hacking back in the day. It was just kind of exploring. Yeah. You know, know, really, (laughs) that's what we like to call it. It's exploring. It's, uh... yeah. I mean, even in back in, so then, you know, I went to, College or um, in high school, I ran a web design business, and uh, in college that continued on, and I, you know, hosted everything on Red Hat Linux servers. Uh, in my dorm room at MTSU, where uh, I think you were working at the time.
0: If I had known that you were hosting a Red Hat Linux box in your dorm room, did I ever <laughs> did I ever block it? Because when you were going to school there, I was in charge of networking and and security.
1: I remember that. So yeah, I was probably someone that you saw sucking all your bandwidth down back in the day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got away with it, kudos for you. I, you know, yeah, we were not again, not doing do anything
1: malicious. It was just nice that I had a high speed connection to my dorm room. And I was like, huh, I can serve my customers through this. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) And then uh, I even like the uh, the Pine email system. I got into that, you know, back in the day. And you remember what Pine
0: stands for, right? I don't remember what it stands for, actually. Pine stands for and I know it's kind of secular. It stands for Pine is not Elm. And (laughs) Elm was the email before that, which I guess is probably electronic mailer language or something. I don't know. It's probably means something. So
1: yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So then from there, uh, did uh, computer science, hated it because of all the math, nothing against math. I just didn't want to be that in depth in math with computers. You know, I just wanted to be, stay very much in my swim lane of just kind of tinkering with computers and playing on the internet and like breaking stuff, fixing stuff, that kind of thing. So did international relations, which has nothing to do with computers. Um, wanted to go into the military, uh, would have joined, uh, but they said they were going to give me all the stuff when the contract came there. It didn't have it. I was like, well, you said you'd give me all this stuff. And they're like, well, if you sign, we'll give it to you later. And I was like, I think you're lying to me. The the,
0: recruiter overseller recruiter. Yeah. Wow. I never heard of
1: that before. (laughs) And that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So I just became a police officer for a while. Hmm. Did that for a couple of years. It was best job I ever had. Loved it. Uh, but not good for family. I wanted to get married, have kids, uh, stepped back into computers after being a cop for a couple of years. And then um, haven't really looked back since when I was a sysadmin. And then a uh, good friend of ours, Jeff Cobb, he's sort of a mentor of mine. He got me started in information security. I saw him studying for his CISSP one day. And I was like, what's that? And he told me about it and was like, I didn't know that was necessarily a thing. I would love to learn more about that. And so I got my Security Plus, started uh, doing a lot more work on the firewall side and configurations and kind of diving into that aspect of it. Um, And then from there, that company moved on to be the first sysadmin for another, or first security administrator for another company. And then kind of gone on from there, have been in uh, security for, gosh, 17 years now. It's a while. (laughs) But very. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned Jeff. He he got, he got you
0: introduced to the CISSP and cybersecurity, and he introduced me to Tito's vodka when we were at an ISSA <laughs> conference down in Florida one year. So, which, <laughs> which is worse? <laughs> I don't know. I had a pretty good time that night. So, nice. Um, and so, so today, uh, I know that uh, you worked uh, for a little while here when you were still here in middle Tennessee. One of the places that you worked was over at Five Iron. Um, yep. And then you ended up um, leaving and 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 moving to san diego and now you're um in charge of the virtual CISO group for cyber defense group is that yeah, what you're in charge
1: there? of uh, all client delivery in uh, our main VCSO at cyber defense group uh great group of guys we do security assessments for organizations kind of on the cusp of rapid growth um migrating to the cloud uh heavy development shops startups is kind of our sweet spot uh, we come in and do a security assessment of your organization and then kind of find all the gaps, prioritize them by risk, build your roadmap, and then uh, help you get everything implemented, you know, and handle your, any compliance needs you may have, implement tools, uh, respond to incidents, you know, that kind of stuff. Vendor agnostic. Uh, that's one of the things I really like is that we aren't tied to any vendors specifically. We don't resell or get kickbacks or anything like that. You know, we're, try to offer you whatever is the best tool for your organization at the time. So I I do like that uh, we do that as well. So what's a, what is a cyber defenses groups, um,
0: um, uh, client, like, like what's your perfect client out there? I know you kind of mentioned some about startups and that sort of thing. Are you, are you industry agnostic or, um, I think you said equipment agnostic.
1: Yeah. Industry agnostic. We have clients across the board. I would say, we're really heavy in the CI/CD development cloud environment. Uh, our security engineers, are you know, come from um, Silicon Valley startups and you know, heavy in that startup development world. So uh, they're very good at uh, identifying risk in the CI/CD pipelines. Um, companies that are getting are migrating to the cloud. Are a big one that we come across. We even have a client just recently. They are almost have the opposite, where they are so heavily SaaS, they now don't really have a good handle on everything that they have their hands in in the cloud. And so I'm coming in and helping them kind of get visibility, is the main goal for them is to get visibility into you know, all the different authentication mechanisms, where their data is, who's accessing their data, all the data flows between all of their cloud tools they use, because there's just so many now across different departments. And that's just from rapid growth and sprawl, you know, over the years.
0: Well, and that's sort of where I, I was about to go to, because I was thinking about it, particularly with startups. Startups are so focused on uh, bringing the product to market and, and, and growing and figuring out how to get it out there. And sometimes... The, the security doesn't really match as well with the growth of the company. So w- what do you see as like a specific challenge or challenges with that? Is it just sort of like the whole herding cats type thing, trying to figure out what it is all that they're doing and where their information is?
1: Yeah, I'd say siloed environments is a very common problem and theme to where these either through acquisitions because they're growing so rapidly and they say, we need this tool or this, and we'll buy different companies because they're VC backed and they kind of push them together and try to make it into a cohesive product. But you have all those different styled environments that are still out there or, you know, you have the developers that do things their way. HR does something their way or and trying to get them to play on the same field and, get visibility into all those different environments. A lot of it's political challenges too. So how do you
0: navigate the politics, particularly like when you have the startups and there's a lot of like, um, uh, let's just say you don't have like defined processes in place. It's a lot of relationship driven.
1: Yeah. the And one of the biggest threats I would say to the SMB market is if you don't have executive or board buy-in, you're not going to win those politics games, but if the board views security as important, then oftentimes you coming in as a third party, you can work with the the ELT and the board and, you know, the CTO, CIO, whoever it is that hired you to help bridge those gaps. Because a lot of times the things you're saying, often everybody knows, you know, kind of what needs fixed or what's not working, but by you, writing that down and presenting it to everybody at the same time it allows them and if you have the leadership buy-in then everybody kind of nods their head and you're like okay i think we can do that and it's a lot of times it's being that impartial third party and coming in and actually getting it written down and explained in a way to where everybody's on the same page of what's wrong and what needs fixed Um, that really kind of helps break down those boundaries yeah, I'd have to agree definitely with all that. It
0: is so hard to effectively try to implement and grow an effective security program if you don't have that buy-in from from the top. That's almost mm-hmm. like um, you know, CISO and vCISO 101 right there. Um, yeah. so you've been doing the what I like to call the vCISOing thing for um, um, some time now and what do you think I, there's of course, the name of the podcast is Virtual CISO Moment, which kind of like harkens back to the whole VCISO world, although, you know, that's not the main focus of this. But but as far as virtual CISOs go, what, what would you say... Um, are some of the qualities of a good virtual CISO? And the reason why I'm asking this is that I know that there's a lot of folks that are interested in the space. Certainly in the last five or six years, it has changed. It wasn't nearly as ubiquitous as it is now. And you've got a whole bunch of different types of VCSOs out there. What, What would be some advice that you would say to someone who wants to enter into the virtual CISO world as far as them being
1: successful? Good question. I would say number one, still have a passion. I know a lot of people in our field get burned out or get disillusioned with, you know, maybe they're stuck in a, a place where they're not getting budgets or they're not getting a support from the leadership that they need. And they kind of feel disillusioned or they're, uh, you know, overworked, burned out. And, you know, if you're going to go into the so world, you still need to have that passion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bother if you're kind of have lost that passion along the way. Um, So still care about information security. And I think the other one is is, is be genuine. You know, actually care about helping people because it's not about you, you know. And I I think that comes across too if your clients. You're not there for you. You're there to help them. And if you genuinely care about helping other people and you're still passionate about information security, I think those are the two main things that will really help propel you. After that, it's more so, I would say, understand... The business side of the technical profession as well we security engineers they their job is to make things as secure as possible you know this is what you need to do go do it go forth make it secure but with the VCSo side you need to understand that you know there's business drivers as well um, you know you have to find that balance between risk and business growth and what what they do for their their compliance needs, Um, you know, sometimes you may have to just accept the risk because the cost of implementing it isn't good for the bottom line of the company, or it would restrict their development so much that they would no longer be a competitive product in a rapidly growing field. So you have to find those balances between security and the business. Uh, that is hugely
0: important. And I think that, you know, when I mentioned beforehand that there are different types of VCSOs out there, one of the, my soapbox items, if you will, or that there are that there's some MSSPs that offer virtual CISO services, but they're really, the resources they provide are more focused on the IT security side. So they're very technically focused and that's okay. I mean, they, you need mm-hmm. that, but from the risk management side, they're really not, they're not
1: there. They don't have the skill
0: sets. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, all we do is manage risk. We find risk and present it to the business and be like, here's what I think you should do with it. You know? And if you want to address it, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you don't want to address it, you know, well let's at least document that so we can come back to it or prove to someone that we're aware of it. And we made this decision for this reason. And here's the documentation of why we made this decision. You know, we didn't ignore this risk or doing this thing but we chose to accept the risk because of X, you know? Right, and yeah. risk of acceptance is, a, is
0: completely a valid risk management strategy. Absolutely. And you said the key words, so long as you document it. I, mm-hmm. I always like to tell folks that the, 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 um, the role of the CISO or the virtual CISO is to provide the board and the C-suite with information so that they can make risk-informed decisions. That's Absolutely. really what you boil that it is, down. For. I
1: mean, that, that, that's it in a sense. You can't, can't really did. boil it down any further than that. Yeah. Well, a lot
0: of what you said, uh, most of what you said, actually, I think are common to both um, the CISO world and the virtual CISO world. And you've been a virtual CISO for a larger organization. I have as well, too. Um, what would you say are uh, one or a couple of uh, key differences, uh, challenges, if you will, maybe, between being a CISO in an organization full time and being a virtual CISO for one or
1: more? Um, clients? If you're the CISO of an organization, it's the politics are different. Um, if you're in the organization, generally you have your, you know, who you're reporting to in the command structure. Oftentimes, if you're hired as a VC so for a company, there's different politics at play. They may be hiring you because they maybe their leadership do, doesn't buy into information security and they're hiring you to say, to get someone else to say, Hey, look at all this stuff that's wrong. We need to fix it. And here's how much money I'm going to need. It's not just me saying that. Um, or it may be that I've seen times where there's organizations where someone hires us to almost validate to the board that I'm doing a great job. I want them to come in and say, See, look, I do all this awesome stuff, and here's everything I told you I wanted to get fixed. That's going to be fixed, and then you may come in and say, like, yeah, it's actually not. Maybe it's not great, and then you kind of see them scrambling and backpedaling, or like, well, don't show that to the board yet. Can we change some things? Mm -hmm. You know, which is, you know, it's common to go back and forth on drafts to figure out what works best for the organization because you don't know the politics internally; they do. but I would say the politics are definitely different because you're, you're representing not just the company that hired you, but also the individual or the team that hired you. Mm-hmm. And if you're an internal CISO, you're the one that's in charge of everything security. And it's a different political game that you're playing.
0: You know, one thing I found too, with regards to um, the politics and the culture being a little bit different is that you don't have as many meetings. And the reason for that is that when you're an outside consultant, usually you're you're billing by the hour by the time you're a fractional Mm -hmm. thing whereas if you're an employee and i don't know maybe it's just because i've had a couple of um, uh, roles where it just seemed like that we were meeting in order to decide when we're going to meet that sort of thing yeah Um, but now things seem to be a lot more streamlined i think but um so you mentioned about the stress involved with the with anything information security-wise. And I think that that's ubiquitous across all roles, whether you're starting out uh, as a junior analyst or you're CISO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, What do you do to help
1: manage that stress? Setting boundaries has been the best thing I think I've ever done with not just my Colleagues in the company I currently work for, but also with clients and even with family, where I I am, you know, when I'm at work, these are my work hours. This is the time I'm going to dedicate to work. When I go home, it, it's I've had to teach myself how to turn it off. It's hard not to.
0: Oh, and it's got to be a lot harder now in the in the in the time the that we're in today, where so many people are working from home now.
1: Yeah, and, and you have to set those boundaries. You have to create almost a space that you go to when you work and then you don't take that anywhere else in the house. Like that's where you go to work. And that's all you do there is work. You know, you have to create those boundaries, whether it's a physical boundary or, you know, boundaries with loved ones or coworkers. Uh, cause, Cause organizations they'll, they'll take as much as you can give and you need to be careful not to give so much that you don't have anything left for yourself or the people that care about you. That's completely, spot on, you know, uh,
0: when I, um, first started, uh, the virtual CISO, when I went independent and, and I should know too, and that, that you helped me out a lot in the beginning, we talked, I can't remember if we met for breakfast or lunch, but I know we breakfast. talked a little bit, was it that. breakfast? Okay. Yeah, it was near it, where I worked. West end area. Uh, West I end area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really so sure about like the whole entrepreneurship, uh, and all that. And I know you walked down that path before. And gave me some really good advice and wisdom with regards to, which I'm really appreciative of, I've, I've kept that going to this day, kind of made me feel, I tell people that that was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back. After you and mm-hmm. I talked, I'm like, I went back home to my wife and I said, I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to do it. When I did it, um, I love the idea first of working from home. I always wanted to do that. This was five years ago, so it wasn't like, you know, the world that we're in today. But uh, um, after six months, it really began to wear on me for a couple of reasons, part of it for the boundaries that you're talking about, and part of it, because I missed people. So I ended up going and working in a co-working spot, uh, space, kind of like a WeWork type thing mm-hmm. down here, they have a local one called eSpaces. And eventually, then that led to me getting uh, an office. And then uh, as, the, as the company grew, now, you know, we've got a larger office and all that. But I found that I needed that physical separation between um, working and home life. And I'm almost afraid that in this world of work from home that we've created due to COVID, that we're going to have some more problems like that. So I think you bring up an excellent point that those really folks, particularly in InfoSec, really, really need to set those, those boundaries so that they maintain good physical, mental, and spiritual health.
1: Yeah. So, and I listened to your podcast before this just physical activity too it's so easy just to sit there at home and if you don't have to leave then you don't get up you barely walk around you know getting out and getting the exercise is also critical to your mental health and physical health as well
0: oh absolutely uh, uh, last week's um, uh, guest uh, uh, Joe Dixon he uh, among other things he's a MMA fighter and a and a, um, um, title boxing and I've done title boxing before. And it's like, oh my gosh, you want to talk about like getting stress out. That is a workout. If you've never done it before, so. I've
1: done a few of them. Yeah. They're oh my goodness. Brutal.
0: <laughs> and, and, you know, you and I are runners. I mean, you're faster than I am.
1: Um, but Maybe. you're younger than me. <laughs> <Let's so. see.
0: laughs> yeah. Let me see. Let me see your, your, your pace when you're 55. Okay? Yeah.
1: Yeah. My pace is, it, it keeps going down over the years. I'll say that it will, but I'll give you a little bit of unsolicited
0: advice with regards to that. One of the reasons why um, people end up having the old man shuffle, I,
1: mm-hmm. should, do,
0: I should do like a, a fitness podcast, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> one of the reasons why they d- get the old man shuffle is nothing to do with, um, with some of the things that you would think normally, like muscle and all that. It's actually loss of balance. And it's the body compensating for, it's afraid that it's going to fall. So you shuffle more, and and this is what a coach of that I've worked with for over two years now has taught me, and we've worked extensively to reverse some of those balance issues, and it got me to actually do a sub two uh, half marathon for the first time in six years last September. Wow. So so think about balance. It's like um, I know it sounds kind of crazy with like some of those exercises and stuff. It's like, well, why are you doing that? But it's like, no, it really does work.
1: Yeah, so we'll, we'll take that offline. I want to hear more about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll uh,
0: we'll we'll have some outtakes from this maybe that we'll offer up for folks. All but, right, sounds good. Um future plans.
1: Get back out into the world. I think because of COVID in the past few years, I have really unintentionally, you know, because like ISSA conferences. RSA everything shut down for so long right now that they're opening back up it's not necessarily on my radar to go back out not, again unintentionally I I need to re, re-enter the world now that it's opened back up so I need to intentionally go to you know OWASP meetings ISSA meetings go to conferences uh, I'm going to blog some more uh, I'm going to go speak at some conferences I think it's just re-enter the professional world I feel like I've kind of stepped away from it my first one COVID. my first one back was actually
0: last september infosec National. i thought maybe that would be a um, kind of a safe one because it's the hometown one you've obviously been involved with that many times yeah. in the past it was the weirdest experience and that, that was more sudden going from nothing to suddenly being around people it's like I mean, naturally I was keeping six feet. It was just weird a bit being around people. I think that that's kind of like left me now and I I feel more in tune with going out, but just, you know, I think that I probably can speak for everybody in the world that I hope we never have to go through something like that again.
1: I know, yeah. So It was exhausting. I would not like to do it again.
0: So I guess we'll end on that happy note. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the website is, uh, if I got this right, cdg.io. That's and correct. That's Cyber Defense Group. So, if you're interested in um, virtual CISO services, risk management services, um, check them out. They've got a lot there. JJ does an awesome job, and he's a great guy to work for. So, man, I appreciate you joining us today. Hey, likewise. It was great catching up. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Well, thanks, everybody, and stay secure.